podcaster calling podcaster our guest on the show today is a very very renowned podcaster who by the way became india's first podcasting coach because he started really early and on his journey he cracked some codes and found some nuggets of information and wisdom that he decided to teach to other podcasters his current show is called the inspiring talk he has more than 2 million listeners on his show He got featured in many newspapers and magazines for his work. He is the co-founder of WYN Studio, Vijay Gautam. Welcome to Absolutely Right, India's only graphology-based leadership podcast. I'm your host Aditi Sarana. I'm a behavioral analyst, a high-performance coach, and founder of India's only mental gym called Apt. The website is aptmentalgym.com. I'm fascinated by stories, and by now, I did not tell you that. But while I was talking to Vijay, he said something that stayed with me. He spoke about how he embraced his imperfections, especially with his accent. And most people thought that how can you get into a profession that is about talking without having your clear diction and perfect accent and right way of speaking? And he said, "What matters the most is I tell a story, a story that inspires me." and story that can inspire my listeners and that is the most inspiring thing about bijay without further ado let me invite bijay and let's get this conversation started hi bijay welcome to absolutely right thank you so much aditi thank you so much for having me here i'm excited how are you feeling and, right now you know as i told you offline it feels like i'm the student who have given the exam and uh, <laughs> you know and i'm here to collect my report card you know, and just the difference is my parents are not around so <laughs> <laughs> so in chemistry you could have done better and in math you have fared pretty well so <laughs> let's get to your handwriting it's the But other I... way around okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so for our listeners i have bijas handwriting we asked him to write a handwriting sample on a blank which means unruled sheet of paper uh, a paragraph of writing and signatures which are which i asked him to do three times just in case you know how our signatures keep changing but on that note vijay your signature does change it changes uh, from time to time so have you had bankers telling you to sign again um uh, i don't think they have asked me to sign it again um <laughs> because i do multiple signs in one go so then maybe they are also able to make up okay you know this quickly <laughs> so you yeah. take precaution already yeah i do i do <laughs> So why am I saying it? Because some part of your signature is slightly illegible, and mm. it starts with very clear B formation and I, and after that, uh, it looks mm. like M or other formations, but yeah. not definitely J A Y. So <laughs> that clarity or that legibility talks about how you can continue to be detail oriented throughout the process. In your mm-hmm. case, it's. opposite of that which means you start with lot of excitement you do the creative work you do the heavy lifting and after that you love to delegate the work you want people to complete the project they are like okay we solved the biggest problem now it's only the process that you follow here is to you please go ahead and do that absolutely that's so me that's so me because <laughs> you know that happens every time because i feel that my job mm-hmm. is to not only set things in place but also when once i've set you know not only think about the project and stuff like that do that you know grunt work in the beginning set the processes and systems and everything in place and then i'm like okay i'm done because i need something new i need something different and i'm like i can't do this now you guys can take it over and which yep. i feel is a process for me to simplify task for my uh you know team and then now mm-hmm. that i have simplified and done the hard work now you guys can easily take take over from here because you have a set system and process in place yeah Absolutely. that's so that's so correct yeah <laughs> so on our podcast we don't say correct if it is correct we say Achha. it's absolutely right because that's the yeah it's absolutely <laughs> right yes <laughs> <laughs> so vijay every time uh, i look at a handwriting sample my overall view is to look at the writing style and the margins available the spaces the way you have used that entire page which also talks about how we use our entire day you know it's only fair for us to look at our day being uh, divided as this opportunity that we have and in your case you're very thoughtful about it when if i have to look at your handwriting and comment you might come across as a very adventurous person 
but when you take risks or when you try something new it is really complicated for people to look at your life and say but every time you keep taking risks every time you keep jumping the very moment you become comfortable you want to have new projects to work at but in your mind the way you function and the amount of information that you gather and the kind of probably interviews you do on your podcast or the conversations that you build offline with people you are really clear and you are not making a risky decision hmm. you cover all the grounds possible and then only you move and you then choose this or that for our listeners he is blushing yeah yeah absolutely i'm trying to sort of you know share how that could have been uh, the reason for me to always take that calculated risk mm-hmm. is because what i realize now more you know more and more i'm sort of uh, been in the entrepreneurial journey for a while mm-hmm. i'm realizing it with the interaction with people as well your risk appetite mm-hmm. increases when you know there is something or somebody to fall back to and and so all, and when you sort of come from a certain privilege not in a negative way but mm. in a positive way that you you come from a strong you know background mm. then your risk appetite is much higher right which in my case was not true i come from a very very humble beginnings and mm. i was always told not to um you know take bigger uncalculated risks mm-hmm. so it's always you know thinking and putting things in place and understanding and saying that hey you know what if i fall this hard i might fall and i i think i can manage that that Absolutely. sort of a fall so it's always that you know calculated and i think it comes from the kind of upbringing um that i had and yeah that's absolutely right <laughs> but as you were speaking it got me thinking that if you gather enough information if you do the work of research or talking to people what you're saying is you also gather all the privilege to take more mm-hmm. risk Yes. Right? Like what people might get privileges by birth, by by the wealth, or by resources. For somebody who is from a humble background, and I I started on my own eighteen, nineteen years ago because my father didn't agree with my career choice. I was all alone, mm. and and I agree that when you have to take a riskier decision, you work harder to to figure out what all it includes and entails before you jump in. But you jump because it matters, and that is still a matter of courage. True. I love that thought. I'm going to ponder about this that gathering information and doing more research is gathering privilege while making Yeah, that's it. a really good perspective. You know, I haven't thought about it that way but you know, I think that's a really, you know, good perspective to sort of uh, think about it because um connecting with people or looking for mentors or just seeking for information and guidance from someone can be seen as a privilege that a lot of people don't have. So do you do that often? Do you really talk to people often? um not necessarily when i need advice but i i think i have a different way of gathering information which is i've realized i'm more of a you know um i i pay attention more than what the person is saying mm-hmm. i pay attention to what the person is doing like you can teach me or tell me something whatever i yeah i might not listen to what you are saying but i would be very observant of your actions and how you are doing things mm-hmm. because i've realized not necessarily we always say what we do and we want to give out uh you know people in generally like don't want to give out like the way they do things or sometimes they are extremely talented at doing things but they themselves are not aware of what are the things that might be working for them so i realized the way i learn is by closely observing some someone for you know uh, for some time and when i say closely observing that could be by looking at the content they are creating or the way they are doing the things um or generally you know um looking at how they portray themselves and trying to go beyond the words they are saying and you know going a little deeper than what they are saying or sharing so that's that's something that i you know figured how i learn and gather informations um so the speaking bit i you know talking to people bit i do that on podcast when i need some information when i need to learn something then i go and find somebody whom i can invite on the show and learn from so so if you want to learn say about meditation you would find the expert in that yeah so uh, i'll tell you like what i did right so when i was trying to um build a habit of meditation i downloaded this app called insight timer mm-hmm. and this app has got like you know um thousands of free sort of meditation guided meditation clips and on that app i realized that you know uh 
particular meditation teacher named David G. Mm-hmm. His meditations were, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing the, those guided meditations. The next thing I was doing was I wrote an email, got him on my podcast and, you know, discussed <laughs> everything, all the questions that I wanted to ask him about meditation. So, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. I also resonate with that thought because I think being a podcaster is a privilege. So for me, I, you know, as a coach, I love doing tough conversations. It that's always like keeps you, it's like, it's like driving at a high speed, right? Like you just enjoy it because that is the highway driving. So I, I, there was a point I couldn't find as many possibilities to do that because you don't always get to talk to people when you're, when they're your clients, but podcast, we just find really, really tough nuts and have like genuinely tough conversations with them so that they get to learn and I get to stay on my high speed driving. Yeah. <laughs> so that gets me to the next aspect of your writing or your personality that I would like to talk about. According to me, as a person, you are an introvert. Not mm-hmm. fully because externally when you go publicly talking to people socially, you make attempts or you take efforts to make them comfortable or talk. You have a podcast, so you speak a lot, but you have that skill of speaking as your acquired skill. If given a choice, you would spend time by yourself a lot more. And you know, some people generally say, oh, everybody's an introvert right now. I don't agree with that comment. I think introverts genuinely feel drained when they are in too much of conversation. So they require that empty by themselves space to think, to to unload certain emotions and build their independent perspectives. So tell us, how do you do it? Um, So for me, I have always been extremely comfortable being on the stage Mm -hmm. as opposed to one-on-one conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, when I, you put me on stage, I'm very comfortable because, you know, during my school days, I was out there like leading a team. I was head boy of my school. I was captain of my house and then later on became the head boy of the school. Every year, the yearly annual function of the school, I was where the was host. School, uh, where was school, like, my, where did you, Sorry? Where did, yeah. where did you grow up? I, I, I grew up in Nepal, so my school was there. So I used to go and host every possible event, big and small oh. event that, you know, in my school. So I was there on the stage. I was a popular guy from that perspective. Um, you know, I won debates and speech, uh, speech competition awards for my school. And I did the, all of that. But when it comes to one-on-one conversation, I always struggled uh, in finding topics or other than like hey you know it's raining today or it's it's really <laughs> cold hey look at this you know and and this is something that i started realizing more and more i started becoming more and more aware of this when i was at my job right um mm-hmm. so after i punched the card at my gate i had to walk for two minutes to go to the elevator and then take that elevator and go to the third floor where my uh workstation was and that two minute walk plus that 35 second lift, if I meet somebody whom I know at the gate, that two minute 35 seconds, I realized was the hardest time because I just know that person, that this person is from my department, not somebody that I work on a day to day basis, even yep. if the person who's, you know, whom I work regularly with, I would always struggle, you know, uh, same thing and it would, it would be very, very awkward two minute 35 seconds, right? And, uh, and, you know, that's where I started when I started my podcasting journey, but then I forced myself to become a conversationalist when I, you know, uh, when I started my podcast, I had no, um, you know, I had no other choice, but to get in conversation with people and try and squeeze in the information. So I would say I, uh, I have improved a lot in that sense. Nothing, you know, I don't think like being an introvert is a challenge or anything, but I've realized that. Now I'm more comfortable than I used to be when it comes to meeting new people and just going and making conversations and, you know, being curious about to tell me more about it, you know, and just doing that. I think I've been much better as a conversationalist in the past few years, but my true nature is that something that I feel. But yes, like you said, if, um, you know, I try to also sort of keep my distance at times and say that, hey, you know what, I I'm done, like, you know, uh, socializing, that's all for me. I mean, need some time off and I'm good now not meeting any people and not having any conversations. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, um, that, um, 
you know, tug of war between like, I want to go out and talk to people and meet. So I, I don't love going out much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love having conversations and I love having meaningful conversations. That's something that I realized, Absolutely. which I, and also because I can't make a lot of small talks. <laughs> so <laughs> because of which I'm like, okay, you know, if you have something interesting to talk about, let's talk about it. Um, because I, I, I would, I would really suck when it comes to having those, you know, smaller conversations. So, yeah. So there are two aspects I would like to highlight and explore with you. One, you said that at some point you identified you're not good with something. Right? Like conversations, you're not good with it. Those two minutes, 35 seconds bothered you. And most people in that situation would just walk away from it. It's like, okay, I don't do this. I don't understand Mm -hmm. it. Let me just drop it. Why to even bother Mm -hmm. myself? Let me just drop it. But here you were, you said, I'm going to start a podcast, which is based on conversations, one-on-one conversation, which is not technically your strength. One, my first question is, why would you do that? And second, what exactly did you do to make yourself comfortable? Because it's not an overnight journey. You have to work at it and you have to constantly catch yourself feeling uncomfortable and do something about it, probably find other ways of feeling comfort there. Or using right techniques there. So both the questions. I'm so curious. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I said I wanted to do a podcast, and again, that was because I was in the phase in my life where I started disliking what I was doing because I told you that I needed to be seen because one of the strong qualities, not qualities, but like one of the, you know, strength or maybe need that I've seen is like, I need to be seen out there. Mm. Um, And, you know, I took the Gallup strength test. And one of the things is um, I need to be out there, be seen. And I need, you know, people because that's what I have got all my, you know, school life. Like, oh my God, look at, you know, uh, so-and-so's son, he's out there, you know, like a popular guy. And, And then here I was thrown inside a lab where I was working as a research scientist and not <laughs> necessarily. Oh, I yeah. thought when you, when you said inside a lab, is like, you know, almost like a rat in a lab is what I saw. Yeah. So, you know, then I was there doing my own research, barely anybody coming and g- telling me that, Oh my God, you was, you know, I just saw you and you were amazing and stuff like that. And I started craving that attention in that sense. Right. So then I started feeling more and more dissatisfied with my job and uh, I needed to figure out what I should be doing next. And uh, um, and I always wanted to be on radio or media because I was on stage. I thought that, hey, you know what? I think I can make a good career out of this. So let me try being on the media and stuff like that, which, you know, be a radio jock and stuff like that, which I couldn't pursue. And then I thought, okay, what if I try to do the dream that I had really? as a child of being in front of radio, but now internet allows me to do that in a different way so that's how you know i sort of got into this and then i realized oh by the way i want to start a podcast and then i realized oh i suck at conversations by the way like i want to follow that dream of of a kid who wants to you know be a radio jock and then i realized oh i suck at uh you know having conversations by the way and then i said okay what can i do about it so the way i started was i i would jot down 10 questions that i wanted to ask my guests and I just read them in front of the camera, you know, and, you know, or audio at that point of time, I would read one question after another, they would answer. And there is no follow-up question. There is no sharing of my <laughs> story, nothing. I'll plain simply ask one question, another, and another, and another. I kept on doing that for a few months. And when I did 15, 20 episodes, then I started uh, asking one extra follow-up question from those 10 and then you know uh, and then eventually I moved to okay now I think I felt a little more comfortable maybe when I was at you know 30 40 episodes I'm like okay let me also oh you know what that reminds me of an interesting story from my own life let me try and add that and then I started doing that and now I'm at the point where all I need is like just a few bulleted points and then I can, um, you know, do Shoot. the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, you know, I, I, I it, it's a journey, but yep. I think, um, and a lot of people who have listened to the podcast and who've been listening to the show for a while now said, that, Hey, you know what, BJ, we started listening to your podcast back in 2018. And when I listen to those episodes and when I listen to the episodes that you do now, I see like a stark difference in the way that you would host the podcast. And obviously there's a reason for that, which is, um, you know, I, and I, one of the things that I strongly believe in is you 
can't get better at something that you don't start and if you want to get better at something you got to start well said well said so important and once you start you are you know you're always mostly in in anything new you will be horrible and that's okay like you know it's just that, that whole part of like just wanting to do it no matter how horrible you sound and for our listener just to put things in perspective podcasting or any online content stays pretty much forever so yeah. it's not like that you're going to go back and delete it but yeah. i have heard oh, by the way our- i had a thought sorry to interrupt you guys but you know i was talking to one blogger a popular one and he said that you know uh, hey you know what i went back and deleted all my you know uh, early days blogs because they were so horrible and you know that uh, you know they they were really badly written and uh, and you know i remember telling him that hey you know what but i don't want to delete anything exactly. of my Me podcast <laughs> because i want it to be out there so that people know that hey you know what this is where this guy started yeah. and here you know here here how this person has improved so and i don't delete any of the like my team keeps on uh, going on my facebook or youtube or anywhere and you know find those you know horrible, <laughs> done. <laughs> uh, horribly done videos yesterday itself on our you know office group there was a um you know screenshot of one of the very early videos that i made in <laughs> made back in 2015 16 uh, a screenshot of it and so like, look at him and you know uh, but you know i don't want to delete any of those so that one i know where i started and that's an inspiration for me to continue getting better and number two for anybody who goes and discover that piece of content they are not going to say that oh look at this horrible guy but they're going to say that hey you know what now if you look at this guy like this is the kind of improvement that this guy if this guy can make in this many years then maybe we can also get better if we start where we are so um so yeah yeah this is such a powerful point of incremental improvement so every episode every recording you're if you are aware of that learning you keep improving you keep you listen to somebody you say hey can i try that you ask questions hey can i implement that today morning i'm a dyslexic so i mm. i was writing an article for a newspaper on dyslexia being a gift and i was just like reading and doing research around it and i said wait a minute is there anyone else who has had dyslexia for better mm. and i said oh yeah there are techniques and there are hacks that other people have spoken about and i just looked at myself I'm like all these years i haven't figured this out i haven't googled how can an adult be uh, using dyslexia to their advantage but you know the information can always come and there's a little pointers that you find and you absolutely take it and you run with it yeah absolutely have you seen the doctors writing the one which looks like some ants have walked by or where you have what we call the threading or illegible writing most people consider this as a sign of someone being extremely busy but there are other aspects to it like anything else in life handwriting strokes are not right or wrong they're only informative and they carry the story behind the stroke formation the choices that the person made and most importantly the struggle the person conquered so nothing is right or wrong and i do not believe in body shaming any handwriting stroke no matter how negative the trait might be there's always a reason and because i believe people are poetry there are always poems behind that so when people use the threading or illegible handwriting in whichever form it is a sign of somebody being really fast in their thinking to a point that the body does not match the speed but it is also a sign that the person is choosing speed over quality of the work most of the things when you want to do them very well you got to pay attention to every small detail which means every small letter formation but when people ignore that and just use threadings or lines where they just merge all the middle zone letters like a o u i all of them just in a mere straight line that means all the quality and detailing that they could have brought to the table is compromised over speed and for these people they take pride in reaching the final destination in the minimum time now that also leads to compromising integrity at times or honesty at times and that leads to some complications so 
if you have anybody's handwriting which is with illegibility that means the person is not paying attention they're not necessarily lying to you but they are just so rushed in their minds that they just ignore quality over quantity uh, specific details over final larger idea and that might not be the best decision for you to engage with them to associate with them or trust them fully trust them blindly so keep that in mind and use that awareness use this insight in making better decisions these people are not wrong they are not lying to you they are not dishonest don't label all these things and just judge people that's not the idea of graphology graphology is a tool that is supporting empathy for us to understand where the other person comes from and they might have had the struggles where waiting for the quality to work out would have taken away from the possibility in front of them so they had to rush so we don't know their backstory and we are nobody to assume a backstory thereby don't do that and absolutely look at the stroke and understand what it represents let's get back to our conversation with bijay so over to you bijay what questions do you have for me all right so i have quite a few okay so i want to start with the first one okay and this is something that i've been gotten this to my awareness and i see i'm sort of improving a bit on it and i've started working on it but still i want you to answer this for me okay um so i have realized that because i struggled with conversations right like i said i struggled with having conversations with people which also means when i with the people in close proximity i realize that i struggle expressing my emotions mm-hmm. to them right where i'm not necessarily i can't necessarily always tell them how i feel about something mm-hmm. right so how do you think someone can better express their emotion to the people you know that are close to them So when i look at your handwriting sample the writing moves to the left side and that shows that you are an introvert when i look at your signature the writing is very big the first letter b is the large writing style which talks about your comfort in being in public and talking about you know whatever you believe in when it comes to emotions it's nothing to do with communication hmm. fortunately or unfortunately because it is about how much can you connect at an empathy level Mm. which means can you really understand where the other person is coming from you know sometimes we logically get it but if we don't understand it we believe that other people will also not understand us when we mm. speak so mm. i think a great way of being able to emote better is mm. to understand other people's emotions deeply mm. if we don't build that practice we believe others won't never understand us which is not true they mm. might not understand us the way we are but they might understand a part of it and there is mm. a huge value in feeling conveyed but we can't do that without genuinely understanding their emotions and that begins with taking interest in other people's lives because mm. if you have every day you know if you listen to them and if you build that bridge of communication when you really feel emotional you would have a space to speak with them but mm-hmm. we believe that we want to communicate convey things without necessarily you know getting too much into the discussion otherwise it doesn't mm-hmm. work like that mm-hmm. so if you really want to connect with people and feel that that feeling of being conveyed it it has to begin with building genuine deep connections and that is a regular investment of time energy and attention mm-hmm. yeah makes sense absolutely makes sense because the way i see this is if you are able to understand you know someone's emotion and if you have built that level of comfort yep. and also i think we, you know when you know that you are not going to be judged and you are not going to be you know the other person is not going to come with it, is going to create that safe space for you then you know uh, you're going to trust more and then sharing is the factor of trust right? yeah because words is not a problem no you know what to say you know what you're feeling yeah. not being able to speak to that person is a problem mm. which is about the comfort with the other person yeah. and james clear who wrote the book atomic habits says this beautifully he says every time you take small action towards that big goal you're mm. casting a vote in that direction 
Mm-hmm. So every conversation that you have, that you are listening to that person, you're casting a vote to that bridge that you will have, that comfort that you will have. Every time they call you as SOS call and you're available to them, you're casting a vote. So it's a both way journey and it yeah. is everyday small action that would eventually create that. Super. Awesome. All right. So the next question, now I'm feeling more comfortable because it feels like now I'm the interviewer. Yeah. Interview. Yes. Home turf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now this feels like much better. Okay. So um, Aditi, here's the thing, right? You also create a lot of content, but and uh, I do create a lot of content. I've been doing this for a while now, you know, and sometimes, um, you know, you feel like, is my content even making any impact in someone's life? You know, uh, am I any good as an interviewer? Mm. Are my, uh, you know, episodes even helping anyone out there, right? Those could be one layer Mm. or it could be like, hey, am I any good um, or am I even skilled enough, for Mm. example, to, you know, do certain things X, Y, Z in my life, right? So, which means they, you know, we all have some layers of sort of imposter Mm. and, you know, self-doubt that we have. And how can somebody deal with the self-doubt and also start, start believing more in themselves? Okay. So that question puts me into my turf because I have so much to say on this topic. I've done so much of research on self-identity. Yes. <laughs> so when we look at uh, self-esteem, people think it is about the conversation. It is about like, you know, what you can say, how you can put yourself out there, what people think about you. I have a feeling that it is a lot to do with two things one what you speak with yourself that one conversation what we call internal dialogue but second how many times have you done that activity that part of confidence comes from activity per se so are you a good podcaster a subjective assessment we don't know or probably you didn't know back in the day or even now these questions come to us self-doubt thoughts but look at your body of work if you have those many attempts at doing something where you know that you could drive, you you know that you could take that presentation or that question that client asked you in a comfortable way, even once, your body of work in your mind would say, yeah, yeah, you can't do it in 50 ways. But remember that one thing. Hmm. Remember those two places where you just cracked the code. So confidence, mostly people think is about self-dialogue and thereby they only do affirmations or things like that, looking into the mirror. They work, of course they do, but the real confidence comes when you take action towards that thing. So no matter whether you're a good, bad, ugly, whatever podcaster or content creator, you may think you are, or I may think I am, but eventually when you see even that one comment coming back, that one person saying how that one story made a difference, Mm -hmm. how that one example got them thinking about their life, who knows how many people have the privilege of being there the way you could create the impact, right? Like you are reaching out to so many people and they're coming back to your platform. You must be doing something right there, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to talk about the imposter. Uh, mostly people think imposter syndrome is feeling as if you will get caught in the situation for not knowing or you feel like a fraud. I feel exactly opposite of it. Opposite of it. I feel if you have that imposter's feeling, it is true. Your imposter is correct. Because it is talking about 20% of the job that you do not know how to do. Right? You know 80%. But imposter is telling you there is 20% that you are kind of pretending to know, but you know that you do not know it. So it is not always lying to you. It is telling you the truth that if people ask you on that 20%, you might falter, but people stop the conversation there. The conversation begins there. The, the full statement of imposter Imposter would be, you don't know this, so you might as well work at it. You might as well Mm. train, learn, you know, create a process to solve that problem. But we don't even get there. We just say, oh my God, what if people know about this? And we stop Mm. and we don't do anything. And then we just indulge into that fear. But what if we say, oh, that is just feedback. Mm. And that's true, right? Like there's so many ways in which uh, people always think I'm, because I sound like a coach. People think I'm very sorted in my life and whatever, but I'm not. I'm like, Mm. you know, my age, probably younger at times and I make crazy decisions. I do goofy things and they're like, 
oh how could you do this and i used to fear as a child because i started working very early 17 18 i used to fear what if they know that i don't know these things mm-hmm. but at one point i realized but i don't know these things either i learn or publicly accept that i don't know these things mm-hmm. yeah i think you know um, that's a really good perspective on you know imposter i think um i haven't heard of that perspective before mm-hmm. and uh, you know i i sort of resonate with the second part of owning the flaws mm-hmm. because that's something that has really really helped me because instead of me trying to try and be someone else mm-hmm. i'm like hey guys here are my flaws and mm-hmm. when i start with that they're like oh my god if this guy can be so comfortable with his flaws then i think i can trust this guy or i mean he's it's just been you know and they feel that oh you know what he's saying that he's not perfect which means he's just like me and you know i feel that um, the uh, people are able to relate much better uh, you know when when you show up authentically so it's super interesting that you say this because people think if i become perfect without any flaw the other person will trust me mm. but actual trust is developed when the imperfect is seen by yeah. the other True. it's just so so weird and and contrary to our general idea but that's how yeah. it works yeah 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 absolutely because and also it's because we've always been told to lead with strength never you know show your flaws hide your flaws you know lead with strength show <laughs> what you are good at and you know don't show what you are not good at and uh, and it's completely opposite to that right you know yeah. tell the world what you are working on or what you think that is something that you have as a flaw and uh, you are not working on or whatever it is right so yeah. when when people know that hey you know what it's the another human on the other side yep. who is imperfect because none of us are so and connecting but, but to your previous really point this is where the connection happens mm. when we are willing to show uh, brene brown who is an uh, vulnerability expert says this oh yeah i love her powerful yeah. i know mm. she says this beautiful line she says uh, when you open your heart and when pe- other people are talking about their problems when you accept and connect to your pain is where you can be empathetic towards them mm. you don't have to say sorry you don't have to feel sorry for them but real connections happen when you connect to your imperfection and just be okay with it then other person also starts feeling okay with their imperfection absolutely yeah that gives you comfort super yeah. that was great coach the coach so many times we will talk about empathy as a leader what should we do how should we look at it but what bijay does and what he did many years ago is a sign of being a great leader and i'm going to decode this and bring it to coaching you know sometimes the ability of finding a correct solution is overrated in the role of leadership people expect the leaders to give the perfect answers and actually tell us exactly what is to be done but it is not that actually it is about influencing people something rishi bhatnagar who was our guest on the podcast said a few weeks ago and that thought stayed with me he said influence if you want to create not authority not power not control but influence on people then you got to embrace your imperfections you got to tell people and talk about and have an open dialogue about your imperfection the way bijay did by his choices so people must see that you are not perfect to be that authoritative person or the coach or the leader you are as imperfect as they are or probably more than them but you are choosing to embrace all that just to show up and do the work just to be there and create the impact just to believe in the larger idea that you are committing to when they see that in you when they see that zeal that passion that ability to accept the imperfection and still move forward that is one of the most inspiring and endearing things you can do and most importantly with your action you inspire them to do that for themselves so you can't pretend authenticity you can't pretend empathy you got to really genuinely as humanly as possible step into those shoes and talk about these aspects so when as a coach i speak with people when they open their heart let me tell you every single time i got to open my heart if i don't do it if i stay on the pedestal and tell people what to do and how to fix their life 
those sessions fall flat on their faces they do not work but when i'm willing to play along show my weak side and discuss things the way i find them difficult and when people open their heart and i open mine and they open it deeper and i open even further those are the sessions which are a both way kind of flow journeys that we go through are phenomenal so if you feel somebody is not connecting with you or you are not able to deal with them in a certain manner then in that case instead of just telling them how to fix the problem see if you need to do something else to connect with them and that will make the whole difference <laughs> all right so now my question is your is the podcaster speaking you are hijacking yeah. the yeah. show and episode you realize that absolutely i'm loving yeah. it uh, i'm in my turf yeah here we go <laughs> so um how can i increase my work productivity without feeling burnt out mm-hmm. so i feel burnouts only happen not when you're doing a lot of things when you're doing things that are not energizing you enough mm. Mm. burnouts and productivity like these conversations i think they are like put into one equation but they're not when you're being really productive and if you're working at in your zone which we call mm-hmm. the flow mindset where you're challenging yourself you're learning something where the the idea of that that whole connection with yourself goes really really deep it's deeply mm-hmm. nurturing mm-hmm. and in that zone you can work for probably 3 hours 30 hours you still feel energized by the activity but if you're not doing it so if you're doing things that you don't enjoy or you're doing things in a way that you do not enjoy that is a biggest sign of a burnout and you're signing up for it so i feel you know like how diets are simple like you eat certain things they'll gain fat if you eat other things you will eat gain protein similarly the activities that you're doing if they are tiring you you need to pause when the the slightest of the exhaustion begins and say wait what am i doing here that is not making me feel energized do i need to change something do i need to alter the way i look at these things because that is how you'd be able to build things you know nobody gets fat suddenly one fine day there's a gradual process and every single day when you're walking towards that you know gaining weight you're contributing to it or people don't lose weight suddenly generally in a healthy manner they would do it slowly gradually same thing happens when you are functioning with your burnouts mm, mm. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So, I want to ask the other question. Okay. Related to work. Question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Related to work. Okay. Um so, you know, one of the things that I decided um when we started the company that I run today mm-hmm. is to not be that boss mm-hmm. who takes away happiness from people's life. <laughs> because i had one such boss at you know when i started my job and and later on i had another boss who was completely opposite of that person and then i always on my head i told that if i ever start a business this is the boss that i want to be okay. who'd always support me who'd always you know uh, who wouldn't like blast at me or make me feel like i'm um you know not worthy of anything if i made any mistake and he was always you know there to take the bullet and i made that promise that hey you know what if i ever start organizing this is the kind of boss that i want to be and then now when i you know became you know started having those qualities as a boss which um you know early on is a when i told you in the very beginning that you know i used to be the head boy and you know of my school and stuff like that i was more of a authoritative you know uh, leader that i would make sure that everybody does what i want right and i would use my ways to get people to do that and then you know and because of my experience with a bad boss i'm like hey you know what i don't want to do be that leader yeah, that i used guy. to be in the yeah that that leader that i used to be you know in mm-hmm. my school where people knew that hey you know what if bj is leading the team that means he's going to be a tough guy because he's going to make sure that everybody follow what he wants and if you know if we don't do it then you know um, then either i'm out of team or you know he's not he's just not going to listen to me right and i had to sort of rework that and then try and be like you know the boss who would let people 
have that a bit of a flexibility and also have that sort of uh, space where they can walk up to me and say that, hey, you know what, this is something that I don't really appreciate uh, and give that space where they can come and give me feedback, right? And then I realized as a result of that, sometimes people take, um, you know, the benefit of that and then say like, you know, hey, you know what, I have a deadline to do, but you know what, you know, this is something that happened and they will come up with excuses. And so how can you be a good boss Mm -hmm. at the same time, hold people accountable? So this whole idea of being either a strict boss or being an amicable and a cheerleader kind of a boss are restrictive choices to begin with. You know, in Sanskrit, we say, right, Sama Dhamma Danda Bheda Niti. Like, fortunately or unfortunately, when you are responsible for the entire team, and not like a boss or not like somebody who takes away the credit, but also like a parent, you got to make sure that you are, are willing to become what the situation demands. Have you seen mothers they would like, you know, say, don't do this. They raise their voice, turn around and then start talking to their friends and cracking jokes and all of that. They're not upset with the child, but the child needs to know at times that the possibility of being upset exists. If they're not not doing the work, see, once, twice, thrice is understandable and it's okay. But if people are constantly not doing it and if you let them walk all over, then are you not accountable to your organization as a leader? So the boss the who is trying to be very, very controlling by saying you should do it because I would get the credit. He's operating from I, which is the ego, right? The boss who is trying to please everybody is also operating from the I because he doesn't want to be in anybody's bad books. But if we remove that I as an idea and say, hey, what my organization requires right now? Are we really achieving the results? Are we really doing justice to the promises that we made? Are we growing at the pace that we need to? And for that, even momentarily, you've got to take the position of a bad guy or make the tough decisions or need to hold the mirror and show people their so-called excuse-giving face. Then you should have the courage to do that. Because then you will do justice to the larger idea, which is your bigger responsibility to lead the whole team. It is not easy. And it's it's very easy for us to say either it's a good practice or a bad practice. But, you know, I have worked with so many extremely strong people that I know these people are very kind. But if need be, if you mess with them or if you do not follow what is needed to be done, they will become the person that you will be scared of Hmm. because they don't have any point of view about what they should become. They would be like, Hmm. okay, I will do whatever my role demands. Like also I I learned this in Natya Shastra. I did my theater training in Pondicherry in in an institute called Adi Shakti. So they use Natya Shastra to teach and the teacher kept talking about it. So a good actor can use all nine emotions Hmm. when he wants to choose to use them. He is not restricted by only happy, only angry, only sadness. He's like any good actor will have a range. And I think every good leader also needs to have a range where they can be sweetest, Mm. most helpful. And also if need be, put their foot down and be most fierce. Mm. No, I think that's that's a great perspective, you know, to just have the balance of it and then uh, act what the situation demands as opposed to. And I think what I realized from what you just shared is it's, that notion that I need to be a good guy. And yeah. because I constantly want to be a good guy, then even, you know, when I know that I, you know, the good guy is not going to get the things done, I still continue to be the good guy. So I think that's a good, good one. Yeah. yeah. And a good guy is about you. It's not mm. about the role, which yeah. I keep yeah. reminding myself, like, you know, what does this role demand? It's not mm. who I am. You know, it's like, mm. you may choose to hate me, like me, love me, but that's about me. But the yeah. role as a coach or as, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, demands certain things and I am accountable for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Super. So now, now, before we conclude this, and I asked you my favorite question, that what are the three things only Bijay can teach us? We both are on LinkedIn's uh, mm. program together, right? I just wanted to take two minutes to ask you how your experience of LinkedIn's Creator Accelerator has been. I think, you know, I, um, I've started writing a lot on LinkedIn 
and mm-hmm. I've realized that, you know, um, my writing is getting better and uh, I've started. And one of the things that I've always um, wanted to improve on is to sort of try and say more without, mm-hmm. with as less as I, you know, yeah. with less words and less text. And that's something that, you know, uh, that I've been experimenting with the, you know, Linda's program. So I'm, I'm finding it really interesting to sort of say a lot yeah. without saying a lot. So oh, nice. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that I've been, what about you? I think I, um, I first time I felt I don't have to simplify and make something else out of what I want to say, because as a coach, you think about complicated ideas and you learn from all these authors. I, somebody, one of the conversations on LinkedIn, they said, it's okay if you do not, uh, you know, do not make it easy and simple for mm. people Stay stay authentic. Mm. And on other social media platforms, I always break it down and make it bite size. But yeah. here I started saying what I believed in and I loved mm. it. I genuinely, yeah. I'm, I'm just feeling that probably that side of my, my voice is like finding its own meaning. Super. So my favorite question, what are the yes. three things that we can learn from only you? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, what are the three things that you can learn from only me? I don't know, like, you know, if you can learn only uh, from only me, but um, of course, from my journey and story that I, you know, I was tell that. Uh, you know, um, few things that I can probably not necessarily teach, teach, but what my life in a way, um, you know, that you can take from my own life and journey is one thing that I would say is always, um, you know, be your authentic self and Mm -hmm. uh, try and uh, sort of lead with your flaws because you do a wonderful job of that. I am like, so like, I don't know you much, but I'm so proud of the journey and more I read about you. It's just phenomenal how far you have come just because you decided so brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you will find me, you know, uh, say that, you know, Hey guys, look, I have this weird accent and, you know, I make a lot of, a lot of grammatical errors and stuff like that yet. I'm doing this, you know, so, uh, so I don't have to, you don't have to come and tell me that, Hey, you know what, you have these flaws and stuff like that. I know that already. Right. So, um, so, you know, um, and, and that, um, that's one, right. You can, you can be yourself and, um, and a lot of, and, and this is something that I interesting that I really, really discovered. Right. Um, and I often ask people this question, right. Hey, um, do you know Tony Robbins? And I'm like, yes, I know. And you're like, what is your reaction when you heard Tony Robbins speak for the first time? And everybody like, I was like, why the hell people even follow this guy? Look at his voice. You know, this is how Tony Robbins speak, right? I'm like, why the hell anybody follow Tony Robbins? And yeah. this is a very interesting thing, right? People don't follow Tony Robbins for his voice. They yep. follow for his results that he creates for they you. They follow for his message. Yep. Right? And if you have a great message to share with the world, people will resonate and follow you Brilliant. no matter how you say it no matter what language you say, right? So, um, I mean, people follow Elon Musk and he's not the greatest speaker ever. Like, you know, he uses a lot of filler words and stuff like, but nobody said like, look at this guy, how come he's an entrepreneur? He don't even know. Nobody says that, but people yeah, love his idea, right? That Italian, uh, African boy who does content Tabby, without speaking yeah, Tabby, Tabby Lame, yeah, right? He doesn't because speak anything. Right. And yeah. you still follow, like millions of people yeah. follow him. Absolutely. Yeah. The message yeah. is more important. Yeah, true. True. So I think, you know, be your, your authentic self. The other thing that I would say, you know, um, for the past five years, I've just uh, been true to one thing, which is podcasting. I, um, you know, my sort of, while I get way too distracted with things and, you know, I hop from one thing to another, but if you look at my past five years, I've just focused on one thing and stayed true to one medium, which is podcasting. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, TikTok came later on. I could have hopped on on Snapchat. I could have hopped on, on, you know, on Instagram, YouTube short. And there are so many things that can, you know, distract you and, and, you know, people keep on hopping from one thing to other. But -hmm. I would say what has really served me and can potentially serve people Mm -hmm. is staying like taking chance on one thing that they believe in and do it long enough consistently before Mm -hmm. they make a judgment saying that this didn't work out for me so i would say stay true to that one thing at least for six months before Mm -hmm. you can say that hey you know what this didn't work for me because Mm -hmm. you didn't you know uh, stick around long enough so um so that's the second one um what's the third thing that you can learn i mean you you can maybe learn a thing or two about, um, you know, uh, content creation. And I want to just maybe 
end by sharing if you are getting into content creation just have clarity of the three things the first thing is why do you want to do it mm-hmm. a lot of times it's outside in mm-hmm. where hey you know what what's in trend what are the content that people might uh, consume what are they likely to listen or watch or read and then i'll create on that versus say what is it that i'm genuinely interested in learning and sharing and you know um and and talking about when you take this inside out approach you are more likely to be consistent and do it long enough and when you are consistently doing it for long enough is when you will get result so first why do you want to do it second is who is my audience like who am i uh, serving because um think about this when you go out in a market and let's say some something happens there mm-hmm. let's say you go to buy a uh, buy you know vegetables and you see that some man uh, at that vegetable shop fighting with someone else and then you mm. come back home and when you want to narrate that story with your partner <laughs> with your grandmother with yeah. your cousin and you look at how the tone changes how oh, the details beautiful. of the same story changes because the beautiful. audience is different and yeah. that's why it's very important for you to know who your audience is because the tone changes the detailing changes and how you say that that changes so that's it's important for you to understand who your audience is that's the second thing and the third thing that i will say is what's the unique thing that you can bring on the table like why should i come to consume your content as opposed to 100 other people creating on the same thing is it your experience is it your style have you changed the format have you mm-hmm. changed anything uh, so that you know makes this certain thing the certain piece of content or the niche or the kind of content that you create unique than what's what's already out there so i think those are the three things wow beautiful i'm i'm so glad to hear this but you know following these principles i have heard many people speak about them but to be able to have a listenership like 2 million people that's like another level of building yourself out there so what was the different thing that you were doing or you do um you know i know it's like all the years of experience i'll tell you yeah of course like you know um i'll say um you know it, it's not that started like for the first 6 months already only 1000 like mm-hmm. that's 1000 people listen to my show for mm-hmm. the first 6 months mm-hmm. but you know if i told you this uh this is a little older data from the podcast space mm-hmm. but this will give us perspective on how people roll out generally in content creation right mm-hmm. there are 2 million there were 2 million people who started podcast whose podcasts were listed on apple podcast mm-hmm. and out of those 2 million mm-hmm. a little over one third which mm-hmm. is 3 and 1/2 lakh people almost mm-hmm. sorry 7 lakh people mm-hmm. 7 lakh people only released more than 10 episodes okay really? the rest of the 13 lakh people didn't even reach the 10 episodes like mm-hmm. 30% of them were not even at fourth episode which means like that's you know you see <laughs> that right and if you ask me out of those 7 lakh people how many of them are right now at this moment continuously producing mm. then that number would be somewhere between 3 to 4 lakhs Mm. think about it 20 lakh people started it only 3 to 4 lakh people became consistent with it right yes. so when you are consistent mm. you are getting better over time and yeah. also you are listening closely to your listeners sorry uh, yes listeners and paying attention to what is it that they are saying and the biggest problem that i see with a lot of content creators is they assume what their listeners want as opposed to asking them what they really want if i assume what my listeners want then i'm going to create something which i think is valuable to my listeners not mm. necessarily is valuable to my listener so it's always you know every single time somebody sends me a dm on instagram saying that hey you know what i really enjoyed that episode that you did with so and so guy mm. and i ask them like what about that episode like really mm. resonated with you and nice. you know what kind of episodes that you want to listen more is there any guest that you think would be a great fit and when i do that you know with that one listener then mm. i'm i'm constantly listening back to my audience in saying that hey you know what um you know i'm constantly listening to what you guys are saying and then creating the content based on what you want not what i think you need so um so that approach uh, you know really changes on how you are engaging with the audience and also creating something that is relatable to the audience that's really great because i generally listen to people or ask a lot of questions but what you're saying is even if one little feedback comes your way ask specific questions because that one listener represents at least yeah. thousands of listeners yeah. in your cohort so you yeah. learn about their perspective 
That's and also we often like you consume a lot of content. I consume a lot of content. If yeah. I ask you honestly, like Aditi, how many content creators that you appreciate, you have taken time to write that message saying that, Hey, you know what? I I really enjoy what you are doing. Keep on doing. Yeah. How many, like barely any, right? Five maybe. So, Five. Yeah, I mean, all, like, yeah. we barely do that. And sometimes if somebody's like, doing it to you, yeah. that means that person has put in thought energy and because and that interest. person, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that person has been there for a while. Like sometimes people say that, Hey, you know, I've been listening to your podcast for a year now. And I thought I'll just let you know that I'm enjoying this. I'm like, where the hell have you been all this year? Thank you. Thank you so much. Vijay. This is really, really wonderful. Uh, I think our listeners have not only understood about resilience, about understanding how to begin a journey from complete imperfection, staying there no matter what, but also understood how important it is to constantly improve and make those incremental changes no matter what. So thank you so much for being part of the show. And this has been such a lovely conversation. Same here, Aditi. And thank you so much for that handwriting analysis. Um, you know, I'm going to go back and like, hey, you know what? Aditi knows me way more than she should. <laughs> she should? <laughs> <laughs> more than probably she should be. But <laughs> but anyways, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I think I had a great, I, I had a really, really good time doing this. Likewise. So it was fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us one more time on the Absolutely Right podcast. As I had mentioned before, we will be recreating this podcast in a new format soon. So if you have any thoughts, any ideas, any suggestions, then do write to me. My email ID is writewrit at aditisurana.com. If you think you would like to be a part of our listener special that is coming up in a few weeks, then do mention that to me on that email ID. I would love to have you as our guest where I analyze your handwriting and we speak about some interesting traits and stories from your life and other listeners. Lastly, if you haven't checked out the revolutionary mental gym that we run called Apt, it is a time to do that. Check out the website aptmentalgym.com. We are doing some phenomenal, interesting work. Please find out more about Apt Mental Gym if you want to challenge yourself and create a new, beneficial, high-performing mindset. It's almost like upgrading your software. We do not deal with anxiety, depression, issues like that. But rather, we talk about certain exercises that you can implement and certain journeys that you can take with yourself and with a community of high performers where all of us can grow together. So apt mental gym, do check it out. The batches of this gym start every month in the first week. I'll see you on Wednesday with one more episode of the Absolutely Right Podcast. Till then, happy writing. Thank you.